Good morning, church. Hey, turn to someone around you and tell them, Merry Christmas. Now turn back to that same person and tell them, Happy Easter. Because the fact is, the glory and the amazingness of Christmas comes from the fact that we serve a God who sent His Son down to die on a cross for us and was resurrected in three days so that we aren't just worshiping some a great person, but we're worshiping God Himself who came down into our mess, into our craziness, saying, listen, I I see where they're at. I love them right where they're at, but I love them too much to leave them there. So he came down to die for our sins. And on top of that, when he left this earth, the verse we just read a moment ago, I want to read that again and read the verse right before it. Jesus in John 14 is preparing his disciples before he's about to leave this earth after his resurrection. He says, But the Advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And as was just said earlier, God gives us this peace that even in the midst of peaceful, uh, unpeaceful situations, even in the midst of craziness, even in the midst of all the things that are going on in our world, we serve a God that says, no, I'm, I'm not just going to leave you where you're at. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to walk alongside you, to guide you, to teach you all things, and give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's really, really good news, church. And that's what we want to talk about today is this idea of peace. You know, we live in a world where so often things do not feel peaceful, and sometimes it feels like something is missing when it comes to our Christmas season. We talk of peace, but sometimes we don't feel this peace. There's a story of a little girl who went to go see the Christmas lights with her family. They went all around town, and finally they did their yearly tradition. They went to their their living nativity. How many of you have ever been to a living nativity before? few of you, yeah? Okay, that's surprising, because what I have found is there's not as many living nativities in this part of the country. Where I grew up was much further south, and so we'd go outside and stand out there. If you don't know what a living nativity is, people dress up as the characters of the nativity, and they have live animals, and they just stand there. I was about, I think I was like 13 or 14 the first time I did it, and I was like, okay, great, what are we doing? They're like, just stand here. And all of a sudden, about 10 minutes into it, I'm cold. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, this is ridiculous. I can't imagine doing that here in South Dakota. But the thing is, they, they, they go on, and this, this 10-year-old girl's with her family, and they end up going to the living nativity like they do every year. And she's looking at all the beautiful animals that are standing there and kind of admiring it. But finally, she turns to her grandma, and she says, Grandma, you know, it's really pretty. This looks really nice. But something kind of weird that I've noticed, we come here every single year, is Jesus ever going to grow up? Like every year we show up and he's a baby the exact same size. Is he ever going to get any bigger? You know, I, I think of a, a movie that I, I can't quite recommend for a church movie night, but it's one that impacted me when I was a little kid. There's this wonderful movie called Talladega Nights with Ricky Bobby. He's sitting there at the, at the dinner table about to say grace, and he's going, Dear Lord, baby Jesus! And his family is just like, what what are you doing? Finally, his father-in-law, I think it is, says to him, He grew up! He was a man! He had a beard! 
And Ricky Bobby's like, but I, I just like to think of Jesus as a little baby. And, you know, sometimes I think the same is true in our celebration of Christmas. Sometimes I don't think Jesus ever grows up from being a baby. We like to celebrate the little baby Jesus, but somehow he doesn't ever grow up into our Savior, our Lord, the one who died for our sins and now says, if you will be my follower, go and do as I have commanded you. And I think sometimes we get into this place where our growth of Christmas kind of gets stunted, where Jesus kind of just stays in the manger. And I think sometimes that's because when we think of a little baby, that's a nice thing to celebrate. We don't always like the idea of Jesus growing up and becoming Lord and actually changing our lives. In the same way, this Christmas season, we're going to be talking about, our theme for, the, for this season is prepare the way. Because we want to prepare the way for Jesus to come in and change things in our life, whether it's meeting him for the first time or maybe growing in him in a new way. My hope for this Christmas season is that as we celebrate our amazing Savior, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, I hope that this year we can grow a little closer to him. We can grow to look a little bit more like him. And I pray that he comes to impact and live in more of our hearts and our lives. And to do that, we're going to be looking at some different characters in the Christmas story. And so today, we're going to be examining the character of Mary. And we're going to be talking a little bit about her and how to be someone who God uses and how what things did Mary have that made her special. But before that, I think as we talk about peace today as well, I, I, I always have found something very interesting about our celebration of Christmas. Whenever I look at a nativity scene, have you ever noticed the faces in, in a nativity scene? Like, they just look so incredibly peaceful, don't they? Like, uh, the wise men just look so stoic and, and wise, and, and Joseph just looks like this wonderful, protective husband figure, and Mary just looks like she's absolutely glowing, and then little Jesus, like, he's never colicky or crying. He's always just got this content look on his face, which how many of you are, you know, that are parents understand that that look on a, on a little infant's face lasts, like, what, 10 seconds? Like, all this stuff, even like the way we talk about it. If you think about the, the old song, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. All is calm, all is bright. The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Sometimes when we think about the nativity scene, I think we kind of make it into this cartoonish, perfect moment. But the fact is that Jesus didn't come because everything was perfect and peaceful. The fact is Jesus came because things were unpeaceful. Things were crazy. Things were wild. And the fact is, things even if things were calm for just a moment, it was about to get really, really crazy. He, Jesus and his family were about to have to flee as Herod would go on to kill every child under a certain age. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of things going on that Jesus is stepping into. That is absolutely crazy. Even the manger scene itself. Sometimes we, we picture the manger scene as Mary's giving birth. And it's just this perfect, beautiful, cute little barn. That in my mind, always, I'm sure, had heat and air conditioning. Had Febreze out there. I'm sure it smelled fantastic. It had to have smelled like cinnamon and evergreen, right? Even though it wasn't, right? It was a manger. 
It was a barn. There, the, even just giving birth in that situation, Jesus coming into the world in, in something that, you know, it's crazy, it's messy, there's, there's filth, there's maybe some fecal matter. And then plus whatever the animals are doing. If you've ever had a, had a child, you know it gets a little crazy. It's messy. And Jesus steps into that. And in the midst of all of this mess is where we see Jesus and God showing up. See, the fact is, sometimes when we make a, a cartoonish version of, of the, the nativity, I think we get to this place where it just seems so peaceful and calm and wonderful and bright. And then we look at our own lives and we see the craziness going on. We see the pain that we're experiencing. We see the lack of peace in our world. Maybe for you, you're someone who comes into the Christmas season and there's some pain, there's some hurt. There's relational things going on in your life that aren't great. There's issues with family. I talked to some people this week that have said, man, I just as I get into the Christmas season, I just, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to decorate. I don't want to put up a tree. I love Jesus, but like this whole season, it just outside of the Jesus stuff, it kind of sucks. Fact is, I think that that sentiment can actually fit really well with what Jesus went into, went into with the season that Jesus was was in when he was born. And so, I want to talk about that today. But before we continue on, I just want to before we open up God's Word, I just ask you to bow your heads with me. And we just want to come before God and say, God, as we talk today about your peace and about your Holy Spirit, we just want to invite your Holy Spirit in. We just want to invite that anyone here today who's walking through trials, who's walking through pain, who's walking through hurt, who's in desperate need of a touch from you, God, as we open up your word today and we talk about the birth of your son, God, would you prepare our hearts would you help us to look more and more like you today? Would you help us to grow in you? God, we don't just want to show up to church and sing songs and hear a nice message. God, we want to look more like you. We want to draw closer to you today. So, Father, would you work in us, work through your word today. Speak through me. Don't let me say anything that isn't of you, God, or don't allow anyone to hear it. Please just have it be you speaking today. You working. You are awesome and amazing, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today, I want if you got your Bibles, I'd love it if you'd open up with me to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to be talking about Mary. This amazing character of Mary. So often I think we miss the fact that when God was looking at who he could use to, to bring his son into the world, he chose Mary. And if you and I... We're, we're going to choose like who, who would be used to deliver God's son. I don't know what kind of things you would look for, but I might look for some education. Maybe a degree in, in, you know, in, in child development. That might be really good. Maybe a, a, a theological degree of some sort or, or something. Maybe, maybe just having you know, rich parents with a nice house and good grandparents. I don't know what I'd look for, but I don't think Mary is the person they would show up on my radar. I don't think Mary necessarily had the resume that we'd be looking for if we were looking for someone, which is what I love about just about any time you look at someone that God uses, oftentimes their resume wouldn't pass our desks. Because the fact is we serve a God that doesn't go off of what we think. 
just like Samuel said when he was looking at the King David and God speaks to him and says, I don't judge people the way you do. Stop looking at his height. Stop looking at how good looking they are. Stop looking at their resume. Instead, I judge the heart. I think that's so incredibly important when we look at the story of Mary. And so today, I want to open up and I want to begin in verse 26 today. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Says Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is, who is said to have been unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your words to be me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. You know, there's an old song that I often hear around Christmas, and I think it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful idea. It goes, Mary, did you know? And it has this whole list of things. Mary, did you know that your son would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that the, the, the child that you're raising will one day raise the life and save you? It goes through this whole list of things. It's beautiful. But at the same time, I think in a way, Mary did know. First of all, she's told many of those things right here by the angel, but even more so, I think Mary understood some things and had some knowledge and some faith in her that made her stand out as someone that God could use. And so today, I actually want to ask the question, what kind of people does God use? What kind of people are the people like Mary that God can trust and say, listen, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to bestow on you something that's going to be amazing in the long run, that God, that I'm going to use you in an amazing and incredible way that will change the world. Because the fact is, for my life, my heart's cry is that God would use me, that I would be someone that God could use, I'd be someone who has the right heart, that God could work in me and do something incredible. Because my fear is sometimes I think I get so caught up in my own self, in my own ideas, that if it was me in that situation where God said, hey, you know, I'm going to use you in this way, there's probably been some times in my life where I might have responded, you know, that's great, God. Can, can I just watch? You know, can I, yeah, how, about, how about, you know, you just go to the person next door and I'll just watch. It sounds great. I mean, that sounds awesome. It's just, I got a lot of things going on right now, and I'm just not sure if I can give up everything. 
So I want to talk today about this question. What kind of person does God use? The first one is this that we see in this passage. God uses people who want to do his will. God uses people who want to do his will. If you notice Mary's reaction, the fact is she wanted to do God's will in her life. And besides a few logistical questions, she's like, great, I'm in. She's ready to go. Gabriel shows up and says, hey, listen, God wants to do this amazing thing. He wants to bring his son into the world and he's going to change everything. It's going to be awesome. But God needs to use you and your body. And there's some more things we're going to explore with that. But you watch how Mary responds. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your words be fulfilled. And then later on in the passage in verses 46 and 48, it says, Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. There's a couple of things I noticed about Mary's reaction here. If you read, in, in there, there's a lot of amazing things in this passage. I'd encourage you this week, just take some time and read over Luke chapter 1. It's amazing. But there's this passage here where she goes on, it's called Mary's Song. Where she just talks about how, how her, all of her feelings in this moment. And she's praising God. And the first thing I notice here is that she says, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The fact is, Mary is excited to be used by God. Mary's like, yes, let's go! I mean, obviously there's some major consequences here. She, she's not married. This is about to change everything in her life. And Mary's first reaction is, Yes! God, I'm so incredibly excited. But sometimes in my own life, when God has come to me and said, Listen, I want to do something in you that's incredible, but there's going to be some changes in your life. There's some things that maybe you're going to have to give up. There's some dreams that are maybe going to have to die. Sometimes my reaction has been more like, Oh, that doesn't sound great. But if you say so. But instead we have Mary rejoicing, saying, my, my spirit rejoices in God. I'm excited for this. And I think that comes from the fact that Mary is humble. One of the things she says in this verse is that God has remembered the state of his humble servant. See, the thing is, None of us deserve to be used by God. None of us deserve to be someone that God saves in the first place. But Mary understood her place. She understood God's place. And so she was a person of humility. That's why Jesus says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Being poor in spirit means that you understand that there is a God and we're not Him. Being poor in spirit understands I am a humble servant of God. If God wants to do something great, because it's not about me, because I'm not God, he's God. And so when God says, hey, I want to use you, I want to do something in you, our reaction when we're truly humble is, yes, let's go. It says that Mary was the humble servant. And I love that she, twice in this passage, has already said, I am God's servant. 
Not, I am now God's servant, like it just started this second. The fact is, Mary was already serving God. She already saw herself as God's servant well before the angel showed up. And that's a key in our life. If we're not already serving God, if we're not already God's servant, then when he shows up to say, listen, this is what you're going to do, there's a really low low chance that we're going to go, okay, okay, now I'm going to give God everything. See, it's when we give God everything that he can use us. It's when God we give God everything that he can show up in a mighty way. So the first thing we see is that Mary was someone who wanted to do the will of God. The second thing, thing we see is that God uses people who are willing to pay the cost. Fact is, there is always a cost in following Jesus. In Luke one thirty eight, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your words to me be fulfilled. Fact is... We don't negotiate with God. We don't get to come to God and say, God, what if, what if we did it this way? What, what if we wait a couple years? Okay, I got some things I want to do, want to travel, and then you can show up and bring your son into the world. Fact is, Mary doesn't negotiate with God. She's willing to give him everything. And the fact is, there was a major cost for Mary. The Bible doesn't necessarily focus on everything that Mary went through. But what we do know is that at least a few people didn't believe that God had shown up and and put a child in her. They naturally thought maybe some other things were going on. Even her fiancé at the time until God showed up was about to divorce her, leave her. Because... And really, if you look at some, some context clues in the Bible, there's a, there's a good chance that a lot of other people around her also thought the same thing. There's a lot of people that still didn't believe it. Mark chapter 6, Jesus comes back to Nazareth, and they ask, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the son of Mary? It's really interesting, because every other time, if you read throughout the Bible, that's kind of an uncommon way of referring to someone. The son of Mary, if they really believed that Joseph was the father, they would have said, this is the son of Joseph. Or if they really believed what had been said about Jesus, they say, this is the son of God. But they say the son of Mary. I think in that time, if we went back then, we'd realize that Mary lost a lot. She likely lost her reputation. She likely had some things said to her. I think there's a reason why Jesus is always so comforting to single women who are going through things, to widows, to the young woman who's caught in adultery, to Mary Magdalene. There's so many different people that Jesus seems to have this heart for. I think it's likely not only because the Holy Spirit is in him, but also because he may have grown up with a mom who had some things that were said about her had a reputation that maybe wasn't the best. On top of that, the cost for Mary was also her comfort. I mean, all of a sudden she's going through her life, about to have her nice wedding and go on and do all the things she wants to do, all the things you're supposed to do in that day, and suddenly everything gets turned upside down. Not only is she dealing with these relational issues, but then on top of that, now she's pregnant and having to go on a journey, and then she has to give birth in, in a stable of all places. And then, later on, she, they have to go to Egypt to hide, to keep their child safe. She has so many things in her life that are completely and totally upended. But the thing is, Mary was willing to give everything. We see later, Jesus says in Luke 14, Suppose that one of you wants to build a tower. 
Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. The kind of people that God uses are the kind of people that say, God, here's what I have and I'm willing to give you everything. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Jesus feeds the 5,000. has this moment where he turns to his disciples after they've come and said, Hey, teacher, it's been great. Great message. Can we take a break? We need a snack. And he says, Well, you feed them. And they suddenly look around and they find this little boy who's got his Long John Silvers, got his couple fish, some bread, and they bring it to Jesus. And Jesus multiplies it into an amazing miracle. But what I love about that moment is I think every time that we're used by God, whether it's loving our neighbor, whether it's delivering meals on wheels and and going and sharing Christ's love in that way or telling your neighbor about Jesus or reaching out to someone who's homeless and down on their luck, whatever it is, any time that God is going to use us, It involves us bringing our everything, which to God is just a few fish and some pieces of bread, and saying, God, will you multiply this? And God does something amazing and incredible in that. Because anytime God shows up, it starts with us saying, God, you have everything. Anytime that we try to do any work for God, essentially we're coming to God with just a few pieces of bread and saying, God, would you do something with this? But it starts with us giving everything. See, God uses people who are willing to pay the cost, who are willing to give everything. People who are are wanting to do the will of God. And finally, another thing we see from Mary is that God uses people who wholeheartedly trust his promises. Mary asked the angel, she said, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's a great logistical question. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For no promise from God will ever fail. I love Mary's response. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She goes on in the rest of the the passage. And she talks about how much she's glorifying God and she sings this whole song to God because the fact is, rather than worrying, Mary worshipped. She continued to trust the promises of God all throughout the process. The fact is, any time that I'm afraid in my life, any time that I'm worried in my life, any time that I'm doubting in my life, it's because there's some promises of God that I'm not believing. It's because there's promises from God that maybe I have forgotten. When I'm overwhelmed, when I'm stressed, when I don't want to take another step forward, it's because I'm overlooking the promises that God has guaranteed in Scripture. For instance, when God says what is impossible for man is is possible for God. When He says, I shall provide all of your needs, that we can do all things through Christ Jesus. fact is, So often I think we forget what that passage says when it says you can do all things through Christ Jesus. Anytime in my life that I'm I'm doubting, I'm hurting, 
a lot of times it's, it's not only because I'm forgetting God's promises, but I'm forgetting the one from whom the promise comes. Whenever God talks about a peace that surpasses all understanding or me being able to do all things, it always has this one caveat, through Christ Jesus. It's through Christ that I'm able to do anything in my life. It's Christ that gets me through to my next day. And so often I can forget that. The fact is, in Second Chronicles 16.9, the Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. God is looking for people not who are the wisest, the strongest, the best looking, the best singer, the best speaker, the best teacher, the best at talking to people. The fact is God is looking for people who he has their whole heart. That's the reason why God used Mary, because she was someone who, she didn't have all the things that we would think would be necessary for a great work of God. But what Mary did have was a heart that wanted to do the will of God. A heart that trusted God's promises. A heart that was willing to pay the cost, no matter what it was. And the thing is, in our lives, if we're going to be people who God uses, the question is, not only are we willing to pay the cost, are we we willing to do God's will, are we people who believe His promises, but even more importantly, are we people whose heart belongs to God? Because it starts with us giving our whole heart to Him. Bible says that it is God who wills in us and acts to, or who creates in us the will and the desire to live according to His commandments. It's God who changes. It's His Holy Spirit that works in us. It just starts though with our heart. Does God have everything? And as we go into this Christmas season, my hope and my prayer is that we would be a people who, although we're not perfect, and although we're trying to draw closer and closer to Jesus every day, that we'd be a people who give our hearts completely and totally to God and let Him show up. Whether you're someone who just says, man, I just want to draw closer to God in this Christmas season, or you're someone who says, man, I feel so far away from God, I feel so stressed out, I feel so anxious, I feel like I can't take another step forward. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, my hope and my prayer for us as a church is that in this Christmas season, we come before our amazing, incredible God and give Him our whole heart. And say, God, you have everything. You work. And what we start to see happen is that those things that we talk about every year in the Advent season start to come out. The more we give God our heart, the more we start to see His peace show up. The more we start to see His hope show up. His joy in moments where there feels like there can be no joy. His love. And ultimately His Son Jesus coming out of us in so many ways. And so if you bow your heads with me today, as we come before our Father, my, I want to pray for, first of all, anyone in this room today who's never started a relationship with Jesus, who maybe doesn't even really know who He is. My prayer is that today would be the day that, Jesus, You would become real to them. That You wouldn't just be a baby in a manger, but God, You would grow up into our Savior and our Lord And so for anyone today who wants to make you Lord, who wants to give you their whole heart, maybe for the first time, God, I pray today is the day that they say, God, I give you everything. Take my heart, Father, and give me yours. God, I 
I'm a mess up, I'm a sinner, and I've done things before that aren't right, but God, I want you to take that all away because I believe what your word says, that my sins will be as far as the east is from the west, and today I give you everything, and I ask you to be Lord of my life. And God, for anyone else in this place today who just wants to draw closer to you, who wants to have more of you, God, we pray that this Christmas season wouldn't be just another time that we get out the trees and just celebrate a little bit and then put it all back in the box. God, I pray that at the end of this Christmas season, we would just walk away with more of an appreciation for you. We'd grow. We'd just come out looking a little bit more like you. And God, help us to have the heart of Mary. Help us to be people who truly want to do your will in every part of our life. God, would you help us to be people who are truly willing to pay the cost no matter what, that we give you everything, we come, we give you what little we have, and we see something great come out of it. And finally, Father, we ask that we'd be a people that trust your promises. God, remind us in those moments when we doubt of how true your word is, how wise your word is. God, we love you so much, and we just want to look more and more like you and truly be followers of you. God, you are awesome, amazing, and incredible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.